Number one is yeah. learn what river you shower in. So okay. when you turn on your faucet, where is that water coming from, right? Where is that water going from? Who are the communities that are upstream, downstream of you? The Life in Motion podcast is brought to you by Actual Outdoors. They help build beautiful brands that highlight the approachable and authentic parts of outdoor recreation. Said simply, they keep it real. Learn more at actualoutdoors.com. This is a Life in Motion audio experience, a podcast about travel, action sports, culture, and more. What's up, and welcome to episode 112 of Life in Motion. I've got Danielle Katz with me, who is an actor, producer, mindfulness and well-being teacher, climate educator, and environmental consultant. She's also the director of the river conservation nonprofit, Rivers for Change. I'm excited to hear her story and see how she's helping others. Danielle, thanks for being on the show today. Hey, Jeremy. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, yes. I'm excited to have you on and kind of learn about, you know, that was, that was, uh, that was quite a bio that I gave. Usually they're not, they're not that extensive. So it sounds like definitely some interesting story, interesting background within that. So um, before we get, dive into all those things, I guess it makes the most sense to start at the beginning, you know. Where are you from? Where you grew up? Hobbies you had? Kind of what what led you down this road in the first place? Yeah. So, um, yes, I have a lot of passions. Let's say that. I'm, Nothing I'm wrong with that. Of those, luckily. Right. So, um, yeah, I was born in the San Francisco Bay Area on co- coastal Miwok land, um, out in a small town called Bolinas, and uh, raised there. You know, in nature, in a small community. Uh, my parents uh, had very unique nomadic lives. My dad owned a whitewater rafting company, and my mom oh. took painters on international trips around the world. So from a very young age, I was exposed to just the amazing opportunity to travel around the world and learn about different people and cultures and spend a lot of time out in nature on rivers. So you know, my first river trip was at four months old on a section of the Stanislaus River. My mom hiked me down into the river canyon and I floated a very calm, calm section. Um, but I sort of say my conservation roots started there because that river, um, I, we jumped on that river right before it was dammed and that whole section was flooded by a reservoir. Um, so from a very oh. early age, I feel like it was imprinted in me of the importance of, you know, amazing places that need to be protected and restored. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, like, well, as we were talking before, I have a four month old now. Um, so, you know, I can imagine, you know, throwing him on there and doing that. So that that's kind of, it's really interesting too, kind of the different um, dynamics almost of, of your of your family and your parents of, you know, what their their careers and passions were. I mean, not a lot of people, well, probably barely anybody, uh, you know, can can say that, hey, you know, my dad did this, my mom did that. And just those unique experiences that you um, that you gathered, gathered from that. So so to that point, you know, obviously you, you I guess, you know, you mentioned that was kind of when it all started in that. So what was kind of that next iteration, at, you know, as you were growing up and like starting to, I guess, do something about it, for lack of better words? Yeah. So, I mean, we'll just sort of like fast forward through, you know, 20 years almost of my life that were spent every summer on the rivers. And um, to me, rivers are really home. You know, it's it's a place where I feel most at home in my tent, in my sleeping bag, falling asleep under the stars with the sound of water. 
uh, going by. And so I guided for my dad's company, you know, starting at the age of like 14 on the Klamath, the Rogue River, up in Alaska on uh, the Tachinchini Alsac. And it, I feel like it just really ingrained in me sort of this beautiful understanding of nature and its importance. And, you know, you, I went to call, I remember I went to UCLA and I, you know, come back to guide in that first night under the stars next to the river. It was just like your whole body could reset. Um, yeah. And all the wisdom that the river and nature has to give you. And I think that really also set the stage for sort of, you know, part of the mindfulness path that I've, that I've gone down since then. But in terms of uh, a big shift in my life, it really happened when I paddled the length of the Mississippi River in 2009. And that was my first uh, source to sea journey. And what was remarkable about that is even though I'd spent all this time on the rivers growing up, you're only doing a section of a river. And so it, it is very like, I'm going from point A to point B. This is the camps I stay at. This is what I know and I'm familiar with. And you have a general sense that, you know, the river starts in the mountains and it travels to the ocean, right? You understand the water cycle that you learn about in grade school. But it wasn't until I viscerally experienced traveling 2,300 miles over three and a half months that that like, ingrained in my soul in a whole new way to start looking at how interconnected and how interdependent these drops of water really are in all of our lives. Yeah, that makes sense. So so to that a little bit kind of on that 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 journey and that adventure i mean that's a you know i've, I've had a couple of guests on here that you know i've you know through hike the pct and and the at and you know all, all the trails and all that kind of stuff but i don't think i've ever had a guest on here that's uh done something well i guess i, I did i apologize i did have a guest that was rowing across the atlantic but they were just getting ready to so i didn't hear the after story but somebody that has done something you know like tr traveling paddling down down the mississippi so Kind of following up to that, what obviously you have a love for the outdoors and the rivers and all that stuff beforehand, but what what kind of inspired you to, you know, make that commitment almost to take that long of a journey over that length of, of river? And uh, and and what what was kind of what was that like? Like during that that journey. During that journey. Yeah. I mean it, you know, it has ups and downs by the end of the <laughs> trip. It's definitely like you're just going to work. You know, your your office is your kayak and you are paddling for eight plus hours a day. And, you know, it does end up feeling a little bit like a job <laughs> at the end of it. Um, but I think the beginning of it would really enraptured my imagination about it was sort of this idea of an epic adventure, right? Like we all want to do something amazing. And the opportunity just sort of presented itself. A friend of mine was was doing the trip and a space opened up as sort of like an other guide. And it was being done for another nonprofit um, at the time called What About Blue that no longer exists. And it was like this grand campaign to raise awareness about the world water crisis on a local, national and international level. And we were raising money to put wells and uh, in Rwanda to provide clean drinking water. And so I think also this idea of all of a sudden having a, a grand adventure, but also doing it with purpose. I think yeah. I'm someone who is very driven in that I don't, you know, I mean, I, I like to do things for myself, but I feel a lot more driven when it's for 
a larger cause that's beyond myself. And so being able to sort of marry this idea of adventure and education and conservation and awareness and storytelling, it just felt really incredible. And I, I think I came out of that trip seeing what an opportunity there was and what an opportunity had been lost in the past by a lot of like the nonprofits we were working with of, of really using this idea of adventure as a catalyst for conservation. And so that's where part of the idea for founding uh, the nonprofit Rivers for Change stemmed out of was, was coming off that trip and seeing, wow, you can really use adventure as this incredible platform to get people engaged, get people inspired, get people excited. You know, when you connect someone to a river or to a natural place, they're going to fall in love with it, right? And the studies all show that the more you are in love with the place, the more you're going to work hard to protect or restore that place. Yeah, yeah, no, that totally makes sense that, that those two kind of go hand in hand. So when, you know, you, you mentioned that that's kind of when, you know, it, obviously you had a love for the outdoors and, and kind of conservation and the environment and all that kind of stuff before, but you mentioned that trip kind of being the catalyst of like of it. Do you think like the main reason was because of the length that you were going for the time where you had more time to think about it? Like, is that what kind of, I don't want to say connect the dots because the dots were already there and I feel like they're connected, but um, if you kind of know what I mean. Yeah. Well, I always like to say connect the drops instead of connect. No, the there drops. we go. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I do think there was a lot of time to process and and think about this and and think about the things that were missing for these rivers of of how do you give rivers a voice, right? And now there's this whole movement of the rights of nature and the rights of rivers, and and that's really changed over the last uh, decade, which has been amazing to watch, but you know, while doing the trip, yeah, it's, it's, it's thinking, wow, these communities are really disconnected from the river themselves. They're disconnected from their upstream downstream neighbors. Like they, they're not connected. And and so it, it really stemmed from a place of observation to begin with. And then I do think having that time to just paddle and absorb that. Um, and then really that experience of seeing how a river changes, right? The headwaters are up in this pristine, you know, northern Minnesota up in Lake Itasca, and it's a tiny little river. And then seeing how it changes, right? So when it gets down to the Gulf of Mexico, it's this honking giant river with tankers and barges. And to watch that transformation and experience that firsthand was really profound. Um, and I think source to sea journeys in general, I mean, that's sort of become my niche and my passion, uh, but it really provides that understanding on a whole new level. Yeah, that's that, and that that experience, like you said, is, you know, at least I, I'm sure I'm probably not the only one, but I don't usually think about those examples of the of the Mississippi from the the extreme two ends from the, you know, tiny little river to the big, you know, you see tankers and stuff go down and all everything else, you know, once you get down, down to the Gulf. So so after you had that experience, obviously, you know, you, you mentioned you, you had the, the time to think about it, um, obviously got to see all the different kind of asset or aspects, you know, from that long journey. What what was kind of the you were obviously very inspired when you were done. So what was what was the next step and the kind of the next progression to, to kind of move, you know, move down the river? <laughs> yeah, move down the river. It was what's the next river I can jump on and do a source to see? <laughs> um, pretty much. 
<laughs> it's uh yeah, it's sort of like a obsession. I don't know if it's similar if you've interviewed like ultra marathon racers or you know whoever gets a concept you just get it in your head and you just can't let go of it um and i feel like that's really what happened and i was like i'm gonna do a source to see every year um and so the following year actually or the following yeah within a year year and a half i was able to become a through paddler for a local organization called the Tuolumne River Trust and they we're doing this campaign fundraiser paddle to the sea. And they had a few paddlers who would do the entire river source. And in the background, I'd started formulating this campaign, but it was on that trip that I met my co-founder, John Dye. And I sort of presented this idea of actually in, tw- in 2012, I really want to do this ambitious campaign to paddle 12 critical California rivers from source to sea partner with the local nonprofits that are already doing the hard work on the ground, gather scientific, uh, like citizen science data, connect communities to their rivers with community paddle days or cleanups. And John, John bless his heart was like, sounds great. I'm in. And so from that conversation, I don't think he quite knew at the time what he was getting into. I think he was between jobs and was like, I have time on my hands. Little did he know a decade plus later (laughs) what he committed to. In it for life. (laughs) Yeah, for life. Exactly. Um, But it really was, I mean, yeah, we would not be here today without without him and, and all he brings to the paddle sports world. And so we set out in our first year to do this giant campaign. And, you know, what's interesting about Rivers for Change as a nonprofit is we're not really located on a specific river. So, you know, there's all the river keepers or the bay keepers and, you know, they're in specific. They work specifically on the issues, on the water quality and on the policy issues and the access issues. And. So we really have the ability to find where there's a river that sort of needs amplification or a nonprofit that could use amplification of the work that's already being done on the ground, but bringing in our experience of adventure uh, and, you know, to help to help inspire more more people and get get people more more involved. And so you know, we just wrapped up this huge campaign down the Salmon Snake and Columbia Rivers, the Grand Salmon Source to Sea campaign, uh, which exactly was that. We partnered with Idaho Rivers United. There was a team that just finished that thousand mile paddle. And along the way, we were able to engage with communities and reach huge amounts of people in this whole new way around restoring salmon populations, breaching the four Lower Snake River dams, putting a moratorium on a mine at the headwaters of rivers. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's awesome. Um, and it's, and it's cool how, you know, you're not necessarily, you are a specific nonprofit, but you're not necessarily a specific nonprofit because you're aiding these other ones that, you know, know what the issues are in their local areas. And you guys kind of have to kind of bond through the waterways there. And you're able to assist in a, in a unique way, which is, which is, you know, obviously, you know, beneficial for, for both of whoever you're working with and your organization as well. So 
as um so so with that i guess what what does that kind of outreach look like on your end you know are you you kind of just reaching out to as many different nonprofits that are loca- located or along these waterways and and kind of figuring that out and is it kind of like i said you know maybe that year they're focusing on something specific whether that is cleaning up or getting more people out there or whatever and then you're just kind of brainstorming what that looks like and then when you actually do have uh those trips are there is it is it a lot of people from you know kind of given how you all work is it people from outside of that area that you're you're floating or you know uh, on the river on or is it a lot of local people within that area as well um everything (laughs) everything and (laughs) yeah anything pretty much uh so (laughs) for like the grand salmon originally it was um these two women brooke hess and elizabeth toby you know, they had had this crazy idea a couple years ago to do the salmon source to sea in a duo kayak. Uh, and then I eventually got word of it and sort of was like, well, Rivers for Change has been involved in, I think, almost 20. I need to go back and count, but somewhere in the 2021 um, number of sources. And so then I just sort of, we all started doing our Zoom meetings and talking about, you know, what's the purpose of the campaign and why is it important? And, you know, right now, so much of it's timing, I think, doing the source to seize on a river where there's a key moment in time, which for this campaign was this, is this legislative event that is occurring right now, make river dams, it has support and needs to continue to move in, in that direction uh, for an act of Congress, you know, to actually make it happen. Uh, But there's a lot of support from uh, Mike Simpson from Idaho, Jay Inslee, Patty Murray from Washington. So the timing of the campaign was, you know, was sort of a critical component, but it was sort of this idea of, of taking an idea, right? And then seeing how big, how big you can make it and then scaling it back to, you know, hang on, uh, you know, this is, this is what it looks like. And, and Libby always said, you know, we're kind of building the plane as we start flying it. Uh, yeah. which is, you know, an interesting way to, way to tackle things, but so much of it is about, you know, collaboration and creating partnerships and reaching out to all those nonprofits. There are so many people who are in this fight and have been for so long, all the indigenous tribes, you know, fighting for their treaty rights, fighting for the restoration of salmon, which are an integral part of their culture and, you know, making those relationships and, and, and that takes time, you know, and so sometimes we're able to make some of those relationships quickly. Um, and sometimes, you know, there's not quite enough time for as in-depth a relationship as, as you would want if you're on the ground all the time, you know, because we sort of come in as this blitz campaign. But we had, I think, about 15 different nonprofit and organizational partners we did community events along the way. So, you know, the paddlers would come into town and then we'd do a community paddle day or a cleanup or, you know, a speaking engagement event or a school event. And, you know, you do just do that all the way down the river. And, and you know, the ch- most challenging thing is really the logistics of all of that, of as soon as you start taking paddlers off the water, it gets very <laughs> tricky to transport stuff and boats and you know and so i i was i was that ground support person and 
you know, my recommendation for people doing source disease in the future is, you know, just stay on the river. As well. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to worry about all the other stuff. Um, yeah. No, yeah. That, that's 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 cool. The the collaboration with with everyone. So, um, one so so from from people that are, I guess about how many people like I guess in this trip specifically, and and if you mentioned this earlier, uh, I apologize, but how many people were on that again? And then you mentioned kind of the uh, the governmental aspect of it. Um, you know, where there's laws that need to be changed or added or or whatnot to protect or reverse or whatever. When when you're when you're contacting these or connecting with these people, I should say, whether they're they're part of the trip or they're just in the community, is it more of a hey, you need to reach out to um, you know your representative to tell them you know that this is not a good idea, blah blah blah, kind of that kind of thing, or is it more like a a petition type standpoint and a kind of a mix of both, or like I guess also asking sort of what does that side of things look like? Yeah, yeah. No, the take action side is a is a huge component. So we did a lot of postcard writing. We did a lot of encouraging for people to comment on this draft report that had been released by the Inslee Murray campaign. Um, so it, a lot of it is saying here are the facts. Here is what we know. Here is the science. Um, you know, we really encourage you to make your voice heard. Um, and I think the most inspiring thing for me about this campaign has really been in a time when we don't feel like our voice really matters or that, you know, we can't make a stand or, or say something like we can um, and our voice does matter. And, and those writing to your senators, those calling your senators and congressional representatives, like that adds up. And I think in this day and age, it's really important. Feel like you can empower people to take action. Um, so yeah, so we did, we did a lot of that along the way. And in terms of the group, so there were um, four paddlers and you know then a huge support crew i was on the ground and then there were other people all over all these partner organizations people at idaho rivers united um you know multiple people helping plan events and coordinate uh tons of volunteers doing things just like keeping our website updated and you know posting social media so it, it really a campaign of this size really takes a village and it it's one of those heartwarming things where, yeah, I'm sure you've talked to some of the people who've done the through hikes about like trail angels. Um, but yeah. the other thing that's so inspiring about a trip like this is, you know, people just welcome you into their home. They want to show up, you know, on the banks of the river with food. They, they like want to help and be involved in some way. And so it really restores your belief in the goodness of humanity. And I think that's also another really precious thing that we need more of in this day and age. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and those are two great points right there. You know, the one where, you know, a lot of people get discouraged nowadays. I feel like that their voice won't be heard. Um, and you guys are obviously trying to kind of shift that perspective. And then the same thing, uh, you know, with the r river angels. Should we, I don't know. Is there a word for them yet? Yeah. Um, <laughs> But the same thing with them, you know, there there are good people out there that are supporting what what you're doing, and you know, even if they're not there on the river with you, they're they're there to help you along that journey and help you make that impact and you know whatever. So it's it's cool how it, there's a bunch of different, uh, or it seems like there's a bunch of different kind of touch points that that you all can make make an impact. Um, 
so so to that point, I know, you know, as as mentioned earlier, you know, you have a um, kind of interest for the uh, kind of film industry and that kind of stuff. Um, what is there a way, you know, obviously, you know, doing a trip, making an impact that way is is important. But are, are there other ways that you all are um, trying to make an impact at, a, at, I guess, a I don't want to say larger reach, but a larger reach online or whatever to kind of get that word out there, both for for upcoming trips, but also just kind of in general of, hey, this is why this is important. This is the situation that's going on, et cetera. Yeah, um, great question. So the team really had an amazing social media presence. And I would say that was one of the biggest um, reaches for new audiences that we had. Being forward, there is, we will be moving into post-production on a short film, um, as everyone knows you know, creating films are always a process and uh, take longer than you think. You're like, oh, I'll come out of it and I'll just whip out a film. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think right now we're all like, you know, we've been on the road for two and a half months. We're a little like delirious and exhausted and, you know, celebrating the success of the campaign and being like, oh my God, what's, what's real life again? Or what do I need to deal with in my, in my life that I've ignored for that long? Um, you know, we just had our first team zoom meeting and I was like, it's so weird to see people on zoom again, or to just you know, be like, oh yeah, I can be in one place at a certain time. Because the last two and a half months, you know, everything's constantly changing with schedules and, you know, where you can be or where there's cell phone access or anything like that. So I think there's sort of a weird reintegration that happens. And so that just, you know, as we take our breath and try to process, you know, the last two and a half months of what we've seen and who we've interacted with and, you know, the impacts of the campaign. We'll take a breath and then we'll start moving into what that post-production looks like. But yeah, the hope right now is how we could tell the story in a short film that could be released to broader audiences on the festival circuit down the line. Yeah, yeah, I know that, that would be awesome. And I um, and I, I totally understand what you mean. I could, I could see how that could be a little different kind of going back to quote unquote normal life after after that for a, very, a variety of reasons. But you know, the idea of, of kind of having that short film, sharing it with these festivals, you know, doing doing all the social stuff or social media stuff as well. You know, it it helps, you know, spread that message, spread that word. Um, and, you know, even, you know, kind of like what I'm doing with the whole idea of this, this podcast is to share stories. So it inspires somebody else to do something else. So, you know, if they watch your film, hey, you know, I, I love what they're doing. I need to check into more into this or maybe they thought it was interesting and maybe they're not necessarily interested in doing it themselves, but maybe they'll pass it down to their friend or, you know, somebody else that they know that could get really, or has the time to get passionate behind or whatever that, that might be. But hopefully, you know, it kind of creates that, that ripple effect that way. It kind of sounds like. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's so funny talking about the ripple effect in the sense that like as a nonprofit for funding, you know, everyone wants these qualitative impacts but it's really hard to track the ripple effect. And at the same time, yeah. like the ripple effect is huge. I mean, I I didn't even realize, you know, a friend of a friend says, oh, I sent your thing to someone and we've been following you and oh my God, we're so inspired and now we're doing X, Y, Z, you know, and you just can't keep track of that, but you know that that's happening and that, you know, just fills and expands your heart, um, you know, just with love and gratitude. 
So it's, it's, you know, there's always that saying, right? If you just touch one person and are able to impact them in some positive way, like that's enough. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's, you know, honestly, that can be all it takes sometimes, you know, you don't, you don't know what the end end, uh, result from that person being impacted might lead to, um, and how that will affect their circle around them as well. So it's, it's cool to kind of be able to, to bring that all together. Um, so another thing I know you mentioned a couple of times is kind of practicing that, that mindfulness. And obviously, I, I mean, I feel like your passion for the outdoors and the nonprofit and, and all this other stuff, mindfulness kinds of seems to fit in there, um, you know, naturally, you know, almost is, I, I guess, are you doing anything as far as, um, helping, helping other kind of people, you know, when they're involved in the organization, kind of, kind of think about things in a different way to kind of reach that state almost and kind of get an understanding where, you know, maybe they, they experience, you know, uh, you know, a, a trip or an initiative or whatever, and then they apply something they learned to that to a completely different aspect of their life in the same way. And they're, and, you know, I guess, I guess any, anything like that. Yeah. I mean, I think that would be the dream. I'm constantly reminding people like, let's take a breath. Let's just sit and watch the river, you know, just let, let's just listen to the wisdom of the river and these drops of water that have been around for eons and centuries. And, you know, some of these drops were around when the dinosaurs were. And if you start meditating on that, it gets pretty trippy. (laughs) (laughs) That is, yeah. (laughs) Being like, whoa, I'm floating on what? And these are allowing me to, you know, safe passage down river and how much have they witnessed in their life? You know, so for me, a lot of the mindfulness that I bring right now is really, you know, nature centric and, and how much nature can provide us if we're just willing to sit and stop and step away from our devices and listen. Um, I was teaching some introduction to mindfulness classes, um, you know, to colleagues and, you know, students um, in the past before this campaign, I I haven't been doing that currently. Um, But I think I think that holistic thought around again this interconnectedness, this interdependence, need to slow down, this need to connect to nature, and and how that's a part of us as beings that we've really unfortunately lost touch with. And yeah, I think it ties in really well with you know Rivers for Change's mission is to in part to connect and being able to provide that as an opportunity to enhance, you know, understanding of self or nature of community, you know, are all really, really positive. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's great. I mean, to, to your point, it's, it's, it, it seems like, uh, unfortunately a lot of people lose track and even myself at times, you know, putting your device down and even if it's just, you know, walking through a park or, you know, just being outside disconnected <laughs> from everything and just kind of enjoying whatever's around you. Um, yeah, how, how important that is, you know, for your, for your own self, um, and kind of hit that reset button, which, you know, once you get back home to the grind of whatever it is, you know, hopefully you have that, that clearer head for whatever, um, challenge you're facing. So that's, that's awesome. So what now, now that you're back from, from the trip, uh, or, uh, and, and everything, what is, what is the next campaign? Uh, do you, do you have anything planned for that? Or is it kind of, you know, hit the reset button, look a little bit into, uh, the production of the film, 
Um, or is there is there something else on your radar already? There are a few things on our radar. They're in the very early stages for what a 2023 campaign might look at look like. You know, Rivers for Change has a very small grantee program um, and other programs that we're working on to help train, you know, guides and outfitters a bit more in environmental literacy and what I like to call source to sea literacy, you know, connecting the drops a little bit more, passing that information forward. So I think a lot of it, you know, from sort of the Rivers for Change standpoint will be, you know, re-addressing a lot of these projects and campaigns that have had to go on hold just a little bit while I've been on the road. And then, yeah, for the campaign itself, it'll be taking a breath and then moving into post-production. Um, and yeah, for me personally, I'm just going to do a little bit of traveling and, and resetting myself and, and processing and, and writing uh, around all of this. Uh, so I'm really well, looking forward to that. I'm going to go to the UK for about a month where I used to live and just hike about, have some fun. <laughs> Uh, sound, sounds like a terrible time. <laughs> terrible, no, terrible, terrible, terrible. <laughs> that, that's awesome. That that sounds like that'll be a, a fun, uh, fun trip and everything and, and time to to reflect on on everything, you know, that the, the latest experience and what you learned and kind of taking that next step. Um, so so to that point, you know, I always like to ask our guest, um, you know, one, one piece of advice for our listeners. And Obviously, you know, going back to, you know, the organization and, and all you're doing with Rivers for Change, if if there's someone, you know, maybe I don't well, I'm in Springfield, Missouri. We we do have a group called James River Basin Partnership uh, that's kind of about protecting the wallet, the water, the water quality. There we go. Um, but maybe there's somewhere that there's not really a big emphasis on it, but there should be. I mean, it should be everywhere. Right. Where, how would they get started in that process? Because there's a lot of things that, you know, go into that. You know, you have the community aspect, you have uh, the the legal aspect in some cases, you know, there's there's a, a couple different challenges in that way. How, what what would your advice be to somebody that wanted to, to start? So my recommendation first, I have sort of three, three steps, I would say is number one yeah. is learn what river you shower in. So okay. when you turn on your faucet, where is that water coming from, right? Where is that water going from? Who are the communities that are upstream, downstream of you? Um, but really, yeah, what river are you showering in when you turn on the faucets in your home? And that will help you understand what, what water drops you're connected to. And if you follow those water drops upstream, you will most likely eventually find some sort of community organization that is involved with cleanups in your area, citizen science, water testing. Um, you know, nonprofits are always at their capacity. So if you have skills in, you know, any way, shape, or form, from social media to web updates to knowing tech things to, you know, being able to call people and you know, help do a fundraising uh, campaign, or if you're an adventurer and you want to do, uh, you know, an adventure for a purpose, you know, donating those funds to a local nonprofit or to Rivers for Change. We have a Paddle for a Purpose, you know, project um, campaign, you know, setting up a, you know, GoFundMe type on behalf of that nonprofit. 
Those are all very easy ways to get involved on a local level. And then those nonprofits that you that you find within your community, you know, they might be having specific campaigns around pressure that you could then put on, you know, legislation that needs to be passed to enhance, protect, restore that river that you're showering in. That's you know what? I have never ever thought about that. Um, when when you said that, think about what what river you're showering in. Um, and that just made my my mind kind of go down a down a rabbit hole, thinking of the places I've lived and in different places like that, uh, different states and everything. So that's a I love that advice, just because that I mean that is it's pretty pretty direct to the source. Uh, <laughs> um, so no, I think that that's excellent advice. So I I love that. So. To that point, where where can people find you online? Um, where where can they get involved? See what you're up to. Um, if they want to do something with the uh, the paddle for the uh, purpose or, or whatnot, um, where where can they get connected with all that stuff? Yeah, so we are online at um, riversforchange.org, and our hand our social handles are all at riversforchange. Uh, the specific campaign that we just finished is salmonsourcetosea.com. And the handles for that are at salmonsourcetosea. And yeah, there's take action pages on those websites. There's how to get involved on those websites. There's always ways to, you know, to, to help out. And I would also really encourage people to, you know, yeah, follow the drops of water in their local community, think about their upstream, downstream neighbors, and think about the people who are, you know, working towards that. And it doesn't, you know, one of the my favorite things to think about, too, is when you follow those drops of waters, you know, you don't have to be a paddler to connect to your river, you can go find your little backyard stream, and you can walk along that source to see, or you can bike along the road that, you know, or the the trail that goes along the river. Um, you can just go down to your local park and picnic on the river and, you know, clean up that park because, you know, everything eventually goes downstream. And if people start thinking of, oh, wow, all of these drops that I interact with or all of these things that I do or have an impact on my life. I mean, even the stuff that I buy, right, that has a water impact, that water comes from somewhere. How, how am I the upstream neighbor? And how can I, you know, be kinder to the downstream impacts of, of where this water goes or where this stuff goes? You know, we can, that's a whole other tangent, but getting into circular economy and um, versus a linear economy and waste. And, you know, that's a whole other passion of mine, but um, well, I'll leave it there. No, that's great. And, and to your point, there's, you know, there's so many different, um, different opportunities to connect with, with the water in that sense. You don't necessarily have to be directly on the water to do so. Um, but everyone definitely make sure you check out um, uh, what they have going on, see how you can get involved. Um, see how you can get involved in your community, bring some of their programs uh, to, to 
your area in a sense through through some of those uh, uh, campaigns and whatnot. But I, I appreciate you taking the time to kind of share in your story and, and your passion for the river. Um, and I really appreciate all the all the awesome work you all you all are doing. And I'm looking forward to kind of seeing what that next campaign is uh, next. And I'll be keeping an eye out on that film as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Jeremy, for having me on. Thanks for listening. And hey, if you've made it this far and like what you've heard, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and let your friends know about life in motion. Until next time.